take and uh, open your copy of God's Word or click to it or swipe to it to, again, the letter to the Hebrews there in, towards the end of the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be in the whole of Hebrews 11 today, all 40 blessed, exciting verses of it. The first sermon I ever preached uh, just over 20 years ago in this room from this platform was from Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, as Nikki and I were, I should, not Nikki and I, as Nikki was cleaning out a closet recently, she found a box and in that box an envelope and in that envelope a cassette tape uh, recording of that first sermon I ever preached in my life some 20 years ago. And so since it was from Hebrews 11 and we're in Hebrews 11 today, I thought we'd just go ahead and put that on play and (laughs) I'm kidding. I, listen, I would not... I would not, some of you remember that sermon, and I'm still sorry, okay? Uh, I'm glad you still love me, thank you. Uh, There were a lot of things I would say to young Stephen uh, as a first-time preacher 20 years ago. The first thing would be, stand still. Uh, A lot of other things, but no, I won't re-preach that sermon, probably mostly because I remember what I preached, and not all of it was bad. It wasn't necessarily wrong, but it wasn't what I would call a good explanation of Scripture. So so we'll hit this fresh today, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 40. Uh, As the author of Hebrews, he's been talking about faith and the importance of having faith. We ended chapter 10, verse 39, with the, the, the author of Hebrews saying, to those Jewish background believers, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Chapter 11, verse 1 will begin with a definition of faith. This chapter will show us the stuff of faith, what faith is made of, what faith looks like in action. And as we work our way through Hebrews chapter 11, we'll find uh, the faith of the Old Testament saints As the author of Hebrews will survey them, their faith was both a forward-looking and upward-looking faith with Christ as the object of their confidence all the way through. The main idea that we will focus on today from Hebrews chapter 11 is this. Christian faith is confident assurance that God is trustworthy. If you want to know what faith is, if you want to have kind of a working definition of faith, I think from Scripture this is a a helpful one. Christian faith is confident assurance that God is trustworthy. As we flesh out this idea from Hebrews 11, I hope that we would, first of all, come to learn to read our Old Testament through the lens and through the eyes of active faith. The Christian scriptures are the Old and New Testament. We don't, having come to Christ, now take what God revealed in the Old Testament and throw it out and never return to it again. No, the author of Hebrews all along through this letter has helped us to know how to read the Old Testament better, and he's going to continue to do that here in Hebrews chapter 11. We need to learn to read our Old Testament the same way that the early Christians read their Old Testament through the lens and the eyes of active faith. Then second, I hope that we would come to see that having faith, having confidence, confident assurance that God is trustworthy does not mean never having questions or always having all the answers. Faith does not mean everything is perfect and that we understand everything there is to understand about God. Third, I would hope that this morning, seeing that Christian faith is confident assurance that God is trustworthy, that we would have assurance of our communion with God, that we would have assurance, certainty, confidence that God in Christ is working even when we cannot see it. 
So let's look together at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 40. Would you stand with me as you're comfortably able as we hear from God's Word? Beginning in verse 1, the author says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God, help us, we pray, as we read your word and apply it to our lives to draw closer to you, to grow in confident assurance in your Son, Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, that by the power of your Holy Spirit we would be better equipped to do works of ministry in your name and for your glory in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Continuing in verse 4, the author says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, and through his faith though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man... And him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of That land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, They should not be made perfect. Christian faith is the confident assurance that God is trustworthy. Why bother reading all 40 verses of Hebrews chapter 11 as we begin our time in God's Word? Well, first of all, every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but also that constant refrain, by faith, by faith, by faith, is important for us to hear out loud and to recognize in the Scriptures The author of Hebrews is trying to call our attention to something. He's calling our attention to what is the substance of faith. And that's the first question that's before us this morning. What is faith? We've said before in this course of study through the book of Hebrews that faith is trust in Jesus. It's belief in Christ. It is being convinced of his resurrection from the dead. It is putting our confidence in the person and work of Jesus, the Son of God. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the author gives us a a, a sort of functional definition of faith. This isn't a dictionary definition of faith. This is what faith looks like when it's put to work in our lives. Last week, we talked about from Hebrews chapter 10, the importance of having an instrumental faith, a faith that is at work in you. And now we see in Hebrews chapter 11, a picture, a definition of what an instrumental, what a functional faith looks like. Faith is, first of all, he says, the assurance of things hoped for. We ought to understand that faith, uh, understand faith in the sense that it is a it is a down payment. It is a realization in the present moment of something that still stands a far way off. This is to say that even though someone has not received what is promised, not received the the fulfillment of what was hoped for in the present moment, that there is confidence in God who will provide that makes it such that that hoped for reality is as good as present here now in the present moment it's the assurance of things that are hoped for it is also the author of hebrews says the conviction of things that are not seen the certainty the proof of things that are not seen we understand here that faith is being convinced about the truthfulness of realities that are not observed by our perceptive senses it's being certain there that there are things at work that there are things that are true and real even though we can't see them with our eyes and touch them with our hands it is being assured of spiritual realities and the faithfulness of God even when they don't uh, readily appear to be at play around us this is what faith is 
The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And verse 2 of chapter 11 tells us that faith is always how people have been put in a right relationship with God. By faith, the people of old received their commendation. Here, the author of Hebrews, I think, is pulling on that verse uh, from Genesis, Genesis 15, verse 6, where there God gives his promise of offspring and land to Abraham. And it is said in Genesis 15, 6, that Abraham believed God. He had faith in God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Abraham made right with God through faith. And that sets a pattern for how all people throughout the Old Testament will, will be made, and even into the present day, will be made right with God. It is by faith, by confident assurance in the trustworthiness of God. As we skip forward, chapter 11, verse 6 says that without faith, we cannot please God. We cannot be righteous. We cannot be in a right standing with God apart from trusting, confidence in His trustworthiness. If we desire to be pleasing to God and to be right with Him, the author of Hebrews says from chapter 11, verse 6, that first we must believe that He exists. This much is true. We cannot approach God, and no one will will approach God if they deny His existence. If you don't believe there is a God, then you don't believe that there's a God to be made right with. And if you don't believe in God, you cannot be pleasing to God or to be uh, uh, pleased with by God. If we want to please God, first we must believe that He exists. But second, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 6, that you must also believe that He rewards those who seek Him. Those who believe God, those who believe God will punish people who desire to draw near to Him will never approach Him. People who are afraid to come close to God because they're afraid that He will judge them in their sinfulness, that He is a, a malicious or a capricious God like those false gods of Canaan or other parts of the world, gods that like the gods who like to play with human beings like their toys for their own pleasure and delight. People like that are very will be very hesitant to approach God, but people who believe that God rewards those who seek Him, they will draw near. It's important for us to recognize that God delights He takes joy in his creatures drawing near to him. We've seen that phrase, draw near, draw near to God, draw near through Christ, repeated seven different times throughout the course of Hebrews. That's what the author of Hebrews wants us to do, come near to God and to do so knowing he rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who place their trust in him with divine promises that result in their ability to draw ever nearer still. What is faith? Faith is confident assurance of the trustworthiness of God. It's assurance of things that we've hoped for, and it's confidence, certainty, conviction about things that we can't even see. Friend, in light of the way that the author of Hebrews begins this chapter and the survey of faithful people, defining what is a functional faith, I want you, as the author of Hebrews is about to uh, uh, demonstrate for us, to read your Bible through the lens of this sort of faith. This is what the author of Hebrews is going to demonstrate for us, that faith is confident assurance in the trustworthiness of God. And the Old Testament is full of great examples of people with faith that functions like this. He's not giving us just an an Old Testament commentary on, or a commentary on these Old Testament saints, but the author of Hebrews is teaching us that this is how we need to look at and understand the lives of those faithful people from the Old Testament. 
The Old Testament is not just a collection of moralistic stories that that point to the character as individuals we encounter, like in Genesis and Samuel and Isaiah. The, The Old Testament doesn't exist simply to say, be like Abraham, be like Moses, be like Noah, be like David. That's not the point of the Old Testament. The point of the Old Testament is to illustrate lives of those who have been placing confident trust in the trustworthiness of God. These are historical accounts of people who lived with full-hearted trust in a trustworthy God. So, friend, knowing what faith is and, and preparing your hearts for a survey of Old Testament faithful saints, learn today from the example of the author of Hebrews to read your Bible through the lens of faith like this. Having defined what faith is, we see how faith is used, how it functions in the course of many of these Old Testament saints' lives. Now, we don't have time to go in a detailed way through each of the ones and each of the stories that are mentioned here. But first of all, we see in, in, a, in a short series from verses uh, 7 through uh, about 17, uh, 16 or so, that faith is forward-looking. Faith has a forward-looking component, assurance of things that are hoped for. I'm certain today about what's coming tomorrow, or maybe not even tomorrow, but several years down the road. Faith is forward-looking. In chapter 11, verse 7, the author of Hebrews uses Noah. Now here, listen, we're just going to go machine gun style through all this, all right? So just buckle up and here we go. You can read about all these Old Testament saints in, uh, in your Old Testament later this week, okay? It's right there for you. In verse 7, the author uses Noah as an illustration of one who was convinced of the unseen. Though he saw no clouds, he saw no rain, he believed the word of God that judgment was coming and he built an ark as commanded by God. And in this act of faith, he became the recipient of righteousness that comes by faith, the author says. In verses 8 through 12, we have another case of faith. This one, Abraham, the hero of faith, the father of faith, who demonstrated a forward-looking faith in his own life. Having been promised land and offspring by God, he had an assurance of what was hoped for. And by following God to a homeland that he himself never uh, personally inherited. Isn't it interesting to know that God promised to Abraham all this land of, of Canaan and everything that was there. And at the end of his life, he was still living as a tenant in that land. Still, he's spoken of as a man who lived by faith. Likewise, his wife, Sarah, even though she initially laughed at the promise of God that she would bear a son in her old age, she demonstrated assurance of that hoped-for son of promise, and by her faith in God, she was made able to conceive Isaac. Verses 13 through 16 tell us that all of these died in faith. Speaking of Abel and Enoch. And even though Enoch didn't die, he was called up to God, but still he's included there. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. All of these died in faith, which is to say that they died in the assurance that their hope for the realization of future promises would come. They died with conviction that God was at work in unseen ways in their lives, even though they didn't, they didn't come to see the full fruition of the promises they were given. All of them, with Abraham as perhaps the best example, saw the promise of God on the horizon of their lives' journeys, but died knowing that they would not see it for themselves. This, though, did not deter their trust in God, but rather strengthened it, knowing and observing that God was being faithful to do all that He had promised. They were not looking to attain a reward, that is a homeland in this life. They knew that their, their greatest hope and joy was not in a place to live in this world, 
but to look for a heavenly country. They're, they were ultimately looking forward with faith in a, to a homeland that was marked chiefly by the presence of God. Their reward lay finally in a heavenly country, the author says. Not the land of Canaan, which though it was the promised land, but a shadow itself of the milk and honey of the realized presence and favor of God. That's what they were looking forward to. These lived and died by a faith that was forward-looking. Assured that what they hoped for in God would be fully and perfectly realized. Now whether they experienced it in their own lives or not, It was not a hindrance to their trust. Instead, it was their faith. It was their confident assurance in a trustworthy God that more than satisfied them in this life as they were assured that God would be faithful. Faith is forward-looking. Christian, today, live like the future of our faith has already happened. Live today like the future of our faith has already happened. That's what it means to have a forward-looking faith. And when Nikki and I bought our house a few years ago, we, we put, uh, put up a down payment to secure the mortgage. Many of you have been through the same process. Now, technically, technically, there is a bank that owns my house. If I stop making payments, I don't get to keep the house. The bank kicks me out. But I pay that mortgage every month. And every month, that house becomes a little more mine and a little less the bank's. But I have every intention to finish the purchase of this house. I have every intention to finish paying off the the mortgage note that, that I have to pay. And so I refer to our house as our house, not the bank's house. I don't live at the bank's house. I live in my house. We live in our house. We live today like the house is already ours. These Old Testament saints, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, were living in the present day by faith. And the reward of their faithfulness, living in faith that that the reward of their faithfulness, the coming Messiah, the son of promise, a heavenly homeland, living in the present day like they had already received everything that God had promised. So sure were they of the future by faith in God that it affected their living in the present moment. Friend, are you certain of heaven? Are you certain of the promise of the resurrection uh, for all who believe in Jesus? Are you positively convinced that sin and death will one day be no more in the presence of God? If your answer to those is yes, then friend, live today, live in this day as uh, as though those realities are already present. Say no to temptation and sin today. Have a courageous spirit to proclaim the gospel today. Live as a citizen of Christ's kingdom. Uh, Live uh, live in the way a citizen of Christ's kingdom would live now with a forward-looking faith that counts the resurrection of Jesus from the dead as the down payment on all of these future realities. Faith is forward-looking. So friend, live today like eternity has already come. We see in the remainder of these many verses that faith is also upward-looking. It's forward-looking and it's upward-looking. In verses 17 through 22, we get a quick rundown from the author of Hebrews about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these fathers of the faith, these fathers of the people of Israel. Jacob himself would have his name changed to Israel. 
These three patriarchs demonstrate the second aspect of what faith is, that it is confidence in things not seen. In this way, faith is that which is certain that God is at work, that God is being faithful, that God is fulfilling promises and active in our lives, even when these these matters cannot be visible to the eye or perceptible by our senses. Abraham demonstrates that he is ready to offer up as a sacrifice the son of promise, Isaac. Ready to offer him as a sacrifice to God. Certain, as the author says, even if God would allow him to go through the act of sacrifice, that God himself would raise Isaac from the dead. Isaac himself, not knowing what his sons would grow up to become, blessed them, giving the greater blessing to Jacob. Uh, by, the, by Jacob's deceit, he stole the blessing from Esau, the older brother. But, but then, by faith, he did not revoke that blessing, even though it went the wrong direction, trusting that it was God's will and God's desire that, that it, would, it would come out this way. We move on to Moses and the Israelites in verses 23 through 31 in their upward-looking faith. Faith in uncertain circumstances comes to play in the, in the lives of the parents of Moses who believed against the threats of Pharaoh that God would do right by their son. Even though Pharaoh was exacting a, a, a genocide among the male boys of the, or infanticide of all male boys uh, among the people of Israel, among the Hebrews in Egypt in that day, the parents of Moses said, we don't know what to do. We can't offer our son up to be killed, but we can't keep him in our house because he will be killed. So put him in a basket and send him down the river and say, God, you who know the things that we cannot see, you'll do right here. Moses himself, by the same sort of certainty, even though he could not see what was going on, saw that it was better to to be insulted, to be reproached, to be abused as a member of the people of God than to be praised by men as a friend to Israel's enslavers. Verse 26 says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, did Moses know who Jesus would be? No, I don't think so. But he knew there was a Messiah coming. There was a son of promise who was coming. And Moses said, it's better to be pleasing to God and be hated by men, to be identified with God's Savior, than it is to have an easy life now by being friends to politically powerful people. Furthermore, Moses left Egypt along with all of the Israelites with the confidence that God, whom he had not seen with his own eyes, was in fact the one leading the people. That he wasn't doing this because of a grand hallucination that took place in the desert. That he wasn't crazy. That he wasn't out of his mind. That God had actually called him to do this thing. That God was actually speaking to him and through him to the people and to Pharaoh. The people of Israel then see their faith. See their upward looking faith. They trust in what seems, in a moment, in what seems impossible. Crossing the Red Sea. Conquering Jericho. They believed that the impossible is possible because God was with, who was with them could accomplish whatever he had called them to through supernatural means. In many ways, the lives of these people are, full, are filled with chaos, are filled with uncertainty. And in the middle of all of that, they don't shrink back, they don't fall away, they don't go running the opposite direction, they don't go back to their enslavers. Instead, they look up with faith to God as the anchor in the midst of all this chaos to say, God... I don't see it, but I trust that you do. Verses 32 through 38, the author of Hebrews runs out of time. We have all the rest of people that he would like to speak to. Verse 32, what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell me of Gideon, Brock, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. But let me go ahead and tell you about them anyway. 
He's like a good, the author of Hebrews is like a good preacher who says, and in conclusion, and then he concludes 20 minutes later. He refers here to all the rest who had this sort of upward looking faith. In these verses, the author makes note of the fact that I can't go through the whole Old Testament and refer to you everyone that, that fits this definition of living by faith. But I'm telling you, they all are. They all fit it. He keeps his argument going by summarizing uh, many others that we can look to who exercise this kind of faith that look to God for stability in the midst of uncertainty. A faith that trusted God's faithfulness to accomplish his promises despite the appearance of chaos. He relays to them kings, prophets, and judges who, as he says, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, and obtained promises. There were then prophets and the exiles of the people of Israel. Uh, thinking here of, of like those stories that are told in the book of Daniel about Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Then there were various prophets and other faithful people in the intertestamental period, those 400 years between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew, Those faithful Jews living in the land who were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. All of this by faith. The remaining descriptions that take place in the verses, in the following verses of Hebrews 11, speak to the many conditions of both prophets of God, faithful widows, God loving, Maccabean resistors who endured all that they suffered, even death with an eye toward him who was bringing about the final fruit of the promise in the coming Messiah. Though many of them would meet their death because of their professed faith, they would embrace it with trust in Him who they counted faithful to raise them even from the dead. An upward-looking faith, brothers and sisters, finds stability and security in Him who never changes. Though all the world around seems to challenge and contradict everything that God has promised, an upward-looking faith finds stability and security in God who never changes. It's a faith that says, God, I cannot see it, but I know you're at work. It's a faith that says, God, I know you've been faithful in the past, and I trust that you will be faithful in the future. Even if I should die, God, your promise in my life is being done. I trust you. That's what an upward-looking faith looks like. Friends, in light of the many examples we have throughout the course of the Old Testament, I encourage you this morning, persevere, press forward in the midst of chaos with trust in a trustworthy God. Persevere in chaos, uncertainty, with trust in a trustworthy God. How many of us as parents have had to assure our children that the present crisis of their math homework or their disappointment by a friend is not the worst thing they'll ever face? How many of us as parents have had to convince our children that the world is not crashing down because they missed the free throw that would have won the game? We think about those situations with our children and we laugh because they're kind of funny. We can see things from from the perspective of age and wisdom and help our children to understand, I know this feels like the worst thing in your life right now, but trust me, it isn't. It won't be. It'll be okay. Now for a moment, friend, in your mind's eye, pan out on that same sort of scenario, to a divine and eternal perspective. How many of the crises that we face day to day, real real emergencies, real crises, real hurts, real pains, real suffering, how many of these things do we face? And listen, I'm not trying to make light of our present sufferings, of our present trials today. Trials are real. They really do hurt. 
But from a divine perspective, how many of these, from an eternal perspective, if we could see our problems the way God sees them, if we could see our chaos and our uncertainty the way that God is able to see it, how many of them would seem to us as opportunities to grow, to learn, to trust more in God, to be more formed into the image of Jesus if only we could see them the way that God does? The truth is we'll never see our lives from God's perspective. We're not eternal. He is. We're not omniscient. He is. But God does call us to be convinced of his trustworthiness, even in the chaos and the mess of our daily crises. Friend, if you struggle in your faith with hard questions that make your faith feel chaotic, disturbed, uh, uneased, you can press forward in asking those hard questions with an upward-looking faith saying, God, I don't know the answer to this question, but I trust that you're faithful. God, I don't know... I don't know how you can be good and there can be so much suffering in this world, but I also recognize I don't see the world the way you do. So God, help me to make sense of it. And if, and if I can't make sense of it in this life, help me to trust that you are doing what is good and right and just, even though I can't see it, even though I don't understand it. Friend, that is what an upward-looking faith does. That is how we persevere in chaos with trust in a trustworthy God. We've defined what faith is. We've seen that it is forward-looking and that it is upward-looking. And we've seen examples of that in the lives of these many saints throughout the course of the Old Testament. And we see in the closing verses of Hebrews 11, verses 39 and 40, that Christ is the substance of faith. He's the stuff that makes up our faith. He's the object of our faith. He's the thing that our faith is in, is on. Look at verses 39 and 40. The writer says, All these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had prepared something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. These verses take us back to chapter 11, verse 2. By faith, the people of old received their commendation. They were made right with God through faith. The exemplary faith of these Old Testament saints gave them attestation. It gave them justification before God. The object of their faith, the the promise of God, was not received by them in their own day, yet they were made righteous because of their trust in a trustworthy God. The provision for their faith, the substance of their faith, the answer to the promise came later, much later, in the day of the church, with the incarnation of Jesus Christ, with the ministry of the Son of God, with His death and His resurrection for sins and for sinners. Christ is the substance of faith. And apart from Christ, the fulfillment of faith, and all who place their faith in Him, the the faithful of old uh, are not yet made complete. Their number is not finished. Jesus is what all of faith is pointing to. Jesus is the sacrifice offered in full faith to God for the forgiveness of man's sin. Jesus is the child of promise long awaited by His people. His kingdom is the heavenly homeland that was greeted from afar by those who saw it as only a glow on the distant horizon. He is the son who gave his life and raised it from the dead. He is the true son who receives the reproach of many and reproves the temptation of Satan for the joy of obedience to God. 
Jesus is himself the true Passover lamb whose blood saves all who come beneath it. His kingdom destroys the walls and overcomes the gates of hell. He is the one who conquers the kingdom of sin and death, who establishes divine justice, who gives promises to those who trust him. Jesus is the one who... Who, uh, who delivers those who are in the den of sin, who quenches the flames of hell. He is the one who saves for eternal life all those who are martyred in his name. Those who identify with Jesus in his suffering will also know him in his resurrection because he is himself the resurrection and the life. He is the something better that the Old Testament saints were assured was on his way even though they never saw him with their own eyes. He is himself the object of their confidence who was not seen to them, but most certainly was active in their midst. Jesus is the one and true great high priest, as the author of Hebrews has been showing us, who brings us with confidence before God, who fills us with the Holy Spirit, and who brings to full realization all of the promises of God to everyone who awaited them in faith. The Old Testament saints are perfected. Their faith is brought to its full and complete end with the coming, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. Their faith, friend, and our faith are one and the same. Their faith was in the unseen Savior who was on His way. Our faith is the one we have seen who has come to redeem. You see, the object of of faith, whether it's by Old Testament saints or or the New Testament church, is one and the same. It is Jesus. Old Testament saints looking forward to the fulfillment of promises in Him. New Testament saints looking back to the fulfillment of God's promises in Christ as we move forward uh, ministering in His name and for His glory. Friends, Christ is the substance of faith. Faith that is certain, that is confident in the faithfulness, the trustworthiness of God finds its substance in Jesus. If your faith, if your trust is in anything else, you've missed it. So friend, this morning, look in faith, look with trust, look with confidence to Christ. Let's say that again. Are we Christians in this room? Look in faith to Christ. That's a little better. I'm going to try it one more time. Look in faith. Look with confidence to Christ. That's better. You're getting there. You're Baptist and it's the early service, so I'll allow it. Y'all, this is exciting. Look, the, the author of Hebrews is saying everything that God promised from Genesis through Malachi comes to its fruition. The climax of the story, the best part of the film is Jesus Christ. And not just him being born a baby in the manger, not just his his ministry and his teaching, but his death on the cross for sins, where he said, sin is no more. Death has no more hold on all who are in me. He is the perfect Passover lamb who shed his blood for the forgiveness of many, has been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God, says, come to me, trust me. I know you can't see it. I know it's chaotic. I know that it's crazy, but I got you. I got you. Come to me. Trust me. God says to you, Christian, trust me. Trust me with the sin that you can't seem to repent of. Trust me with the failing of your marriage. Trust me with your financial situation. Trust me. Trust me. It's so hard for us to really trust God that way. Like, man, I just think of my life over the last seven days between Sunday and today and all the faithless ways I've acted. All the faithless decisions that I've made. All the faithless prayers that I've prayed. Just because we've walked down an aisle and prayed a prayer with a pastor doesn't mean we're daily living by this kind of instrumental faith. 
Friend, are you sure, so sure of heaven that you're living today like that, that reality is secure? Are you living with boldness for the gospel today because you know there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ, nothing? Are you certain that God is at work even though you don't see it? Are you certain that God's sovereign plan and sovereign will are are taking place and being worked out in the world even though it seems crazy? Look in faith to Christ. Christian, look in faith to Christ. Live by faith in Christ. Friend, you may be here this morning wondering why this preacher is getting red-faced and out of breath about this thing, about this Jesus that you don't know. My simple invitation to you today would be to look to Christ with faith. Exercise in as much as you're able. Uh, uh, Hiatus, uh, put your disbelief on, on hiatus for a moment. And just look to Christ. Look to Christ. And maybe even prayer, uh, pray a, a prayer of faith in your own heart. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus. Even now saying, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you're true, just reveal yourself to me. Today and through this week. Give me something to look to. Give me some confidence in the, in the truth of this is. If this is really true, God, and you really want me to know you. If you're real, I want to please you and I want to be near to you. So if you're real, God, reveal yourself to me. Sometimes the first thing we need to do in looking to faith to Christ is admit that sometimes we disbelieve uh, when often we, we ought not. We, we're afraid to pray to God, reveal yourself to me because maybe we're afraid of what it looks like to actually live in faith. I actually have to repent of sin if I believe that God is true. I actually have to live life according to, to God's moral directives. If I say that Jesus was really raised from the dead, and yeah, friend, that's true. That's true. But also living by faith will give you an assurance of things that are far off and yet not seen as though they are certain today. Living by faith in Christ will give you an anchor to hold to in the midst of chaotic and, and uncertain circumstances. Christian, there is nothing more exciting for us Nothing more inspiring for us than Jesus Christ, the substance of our faith. So let us live like those, or live as those who have this sort of forward-looking, upward-looking, confident assurance of the trustworthiness of God, made certain, made full in Jesus. Dear friend, if you have questions about faith, about trusting in Christ, you want to give your life in faith to Jesus as Lord, recognizing he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead. I would love to meet with you today. And so as we dismiss, I'll be greeting folks outside. You just grab me, pull me aside. Let's talk, let's pray today uh, about how you can have assurance of your relationship with God, of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we can help to begin to walk alongside you in faith, in discipleship, as you follow Christ more faithfully. Let's pray together.